Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, my friends are gone and my hair is grey. I ache in the places where I used to play And I'm crazy for love But I'm not coming on I'm just paying my rent every day In the Tower of Song I said to Hank Williams How lonely does it get? Hank Williams hasn't answered yet, but I hear him coughing all that long. Oh, a hundred floors above me in the Tower of Song. Here we are, Radical Australia, and guess what? It's subscription driver week. We need four of you wonderful. That's right. When we want money, we all say, always say wonderful people <laughs> to, to come up, stop laughing, Empress, and become subscribers. But there is a catch to this subscriber business. Not only do you actually become a listener sponsor subscriber, you also get to be involved in the decision-making processes of Radical Radio 3CR. So we need four people to ring in the next hour. We'll remind you at uh, 4.30. The number is 94198377. And if you're the type of person who uh, likes to get freebies, you get kind of discounts at stores and things like there's that. A, yeah, there's a great big list of Is places there? where yeah, you get, where yeah. they're friends of 3CR. Yeah, well, I've been a subscriber for generations. I've never used it. I can't be bothered, but I'm Fair sure enough. there are monetary people out there. <laughs> 70 bucks for wage earners and 35 bucks for uh, people who are not earning a wage. Now, we've got a special guest. We always have special guests here at uh, 3CR, Special on Radical Australia. We have... Janine Payne. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, can I be a guest today? Well, hopefully you'll say that when you leave the studio in our time. Now, look, just to orientate listeners, you're not Payne, P-A-I-N, are you? Look, no. <laughs> no. I am a pain, but I'm not that kind of pain. <laughs> so the, uh, you're the other pain. The other pain. I'm the other Mrs. Pain. Uh, is, this a, is that the name you are born with or one you've acquired in your life? That's a name I've taken on from uh, from my my partner. All oh, right. And so I've uh, I've actually had a journey of several names. Ah, we'll I... go into that journey. We've got plenty of time. Yeah. Just relax. I just wanted to check. So we do no research on this program, none whatsoever. Jesus. No, Jesus won't help you either. He's dead. They tell me. Now the Empress here, Dale Bridges here. She does all the technical bits and pieces. And if I get overexcited, she'll just slap me down. She's very good at doing that. Now, look, we only ask two questions. 
think of yourself, you and I are in a canoe. I know it's a horrible fort. You know, you're on one side, on the other. I've got the paddle, you haven't. And if we see a nice little tributary coming along, we'll just go down that tributary Mm -hmm. and then we'll try to get back to the main story. So we only ask two questions. One takes about three seconds to answer. The other one takes 55 minutes. Uh (laughs) So the first question, just to orientate listeners, what year were you born? 1973. You're a spring chicken. 73, is that the same year as you, Dale? Sure is. Oh, it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> there's this new program, have you noticed on commercial television? I don't know if you watch television, I don't, but there's all these people born in this day. I think it's 83 and they're all, or they're 36. I don't know, it's disgusting. So, <laughs> so no, 73. 73. Okay. Now, what's the earliest thing you remember? Hmm. It is live radio. Yes. Now, is this the earliest thing that's prompted by photos and conversation or just the earliest memory? Just the earliest memory you think you have. Mm. I'll make some noises while you're thinking. Mm. How's that? You know? That's a, the, the, the first memory that comes to mind, and it's not the earliest, but it's the earliest memory that does come to mind, is uh, riding my bicycle uh, riding my bicycle with my doll, carrying doll. my yes, doll. Yes, yes, um, One of those, you know, they're, they're, they're back in fashion now, the bicycles that have the high handlebars mm-hmm. and the long seat with flowers, that, that kind of bicycle. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there are memories from younger uh, because by the time that memory happened, we lived in a, a different house. So maybe that actually prompts me back to my first memory. Uh first memory prior to that again it involved a doll and hadn't started school and for some reason Dolly and I were leaving home you were leaving home leaving home at running away age. you were a rebel at that age running away running at away. that age did you have yes. the bicycle or were you actually just running no too young for the bicycle just remember the dolly mm. Mm. Uh, and for some reason I was leaving home. You're leaving home. Mm. That's terrible. That's terrible. I'm, I'm shocked. Shocked. <laughs> You're such that a I was rebel at such a, yeah, at such a young age. Mm. Didn't you understand? Stranger danger. No. I, um, well, yes, not in those no, days. Not no. in those days. <laughs> no, no, but I was, was very young because I I hadn't started school. Mm. 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 Yes. You remember what the doll looked like? Yes, she was um, Miss. Her name was Miss Lizzie. Miss, Miss Lizzie, Lizzie the yes. doll. Uh-huh. Um, not named after the Miss Lizzie. Well, n- my mother probably prompted the name, but no, I, I don't know. For me, she was just Miss Lizzie. Lizzie. Mm-hmm. She was from it's that... It's formal, isn't it? Yeah, Miss Lizzie. Miss Lizzie. Makes me wonder about your mother. Oh, there's a whole story there. <laughs> whole story there. Um, but Miss Lizzie, when I was, you know, this, this little person that has this memory from, Miss Lizzie was big because she was half my size. Uh-huh. So Miss Lizzie was the kind of doll that was replicated on a, a real baby um, right. And so for a little three, four-year-old that I was, uh, a real baby that's, you know, 50, 60 centimetres long, Miss Lizzie was half my height and was mm. my most precious possession. Well, she's your only friend, most likely. If you're running away from home. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I was going to meet a little neighbour girl and we're both going to leave together, I think. Sounds like a conspiracy. The, the Martians mm. weren't involved, were they? 
No, Kidnapping but there was definitely kids, there no? was a blackberry bush. I remember, or some kind of raspberry bush. There was uh-huh. some kind of maybe it was lantana, but there was some kind of bush. You were going to meet there, yeah. Mm. And what suburb did you live in? That was in Mount St Thomas, which is in Wollongong. Wollongong. Yeah. Well, actually, it was Mount Kira, pardon me, still in Wollongong. In Wollongong. But it was, uh-huh. I don't know if any uh, listeners are familiar with Wollongong. It seems that everyone has a connection some way I with don't. Wollongong. I don't. Um, oh, a, a lot do. Yeah, well, Dapto's part of Wollongong, part mm. of the Illawarra. Mm. Uh, but there's this hill that you go up before you go up the Mount Kira lookout. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. uh Look out up at the top of Mount Kiris and some gorgeous country up that way. But anyway, we lived on this hill, Main mm. Street, mm. going up Mount Kira. And uh, is still, are your parents still alive? Yes. Mm. Well, we well, better be polite. I think I think my, my mother certainly is, and I believe my dad is. You believe yes. he is. Oh, that's mm. good to know. What, what type of um, childhood did you think you had? Ooh. Well, this is before you went to school. When, you know, yeah. What did you think? Was it difficult? Was it interesting? It was. Um, it was a really. It was an interesting childhood. Mm. So my, um, you know, families are complex. No, yeah, yeah, they're complex. And I guess as a child, it wasn't complex or interesting. It was just my family. Mm. But as a uh, adult woman looking back, mm. certainly it was a complex childhood. Mm. Yeah, it mm. was. It was complex. Do you want to talk about it or not? Oh, happy, happy to, uh, happy to talk about it. What do you mean it. by complex? Um, so my mother was very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, uh, she had me. Was she seventeen, or not quite? But certainly, you know, sixteen, seventeen-year-old kind of age bracket. Uh, and my mother and her sister were both very, very close growing up. They'd also had a really complex life, full mm-hmm. of, um, you know, full of, full of disadvantage and full of. Um, you know, a substantial amount of, of trauma in their lives. And so at quite young ages, they both ended up not living at home and both ended up quite, you know, experimenting with different drugs and experimenting, finding their way, and both ended up very, very pregnant, very young. So my auntie was uh, 18 months or so, two years older than my mother, and they were both pregnant at the same so time. Mm-hmm. So my cousin was born in the July and I was born in the October. Mm. And so both my mum and auntie, um, and, you know, quite quite ironically, my grandmother also had a child within 18 months of this same time period. Mm, so my, yeah, my grandmother had a surprise baby, my auntie Corinne, who's just a little bit older than I am. Mm. Um, and the story goes that my grandmother had auntie Corinne and, you know, was feeding Auntie Corinne and hadn't seen my mother or auntie for a little bit and ran into my mother and auntie who were both pregnant and the shock of it dried her milk instantly. And instantly. Instantly. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, there, mm. were, there was my, my mother, my auntie mm. and my grandmother that all mm. had little girls, all girls, within, mm. a, you know, an 18-month period mm. of each other. And we've all really interestingly also all had you know, quite different lives. So being back in the 70s, a, a 16, 17-year-old with a, a small child that already had quite a, um, you know, a, a, a drug addiction, heroin was her drug of choice, uh, which she tells me was a very clean drug back in the day. And certainly um, the... Well, it wasn't, as, it wasn't as commercial in those days. No. I would have been about a few years older than your mother in that period 
and we used to go up and down the east coast and uh, it wasn't wasn't as commercial mm. yeah and the trouble was because it was too clean you'd die well that <laughs> that was the problem and that's part of that um that young childhood memory mm. because uh you know the the adults often did do drugs together and you know, they all really prided themselves on being very protective. So us kids were all sent to play in a room and, mm -hmm. you know, part of the memory kind of meshed in is, you know, of an ambulance arriving and, and asking mum, what was that about? And, mm -hmm. you know, someone had OD'd, but it was, you know, we were all protected from it. We didn't know it, but as an adult looking back, right. there are those memories of, gee, mm -hmm. so that's why we were shuffled and, you know, those, mm -hmm. those kind of things connect. So... Fortunately for my mother and her sister, they almost did a bit of tag team. So when my mother's addiction was uh, at its at its highest, my auntie did the parenting of my cousin and I, and was you know the the hands on. And then my mother, um, you know, fortunately, very fortunately, uh, got off drugs and and become a, a very different, um, you know, life life changed course. Mm. And my cousin then spent a lot of time living with us. Mm. Did, so. did uh, the men in their lives play any any role in your upbringing? Uh, look, my my father was um, was present during my early years, and was um, I have very fond, comfortable memories of of my dad, and he was you know, involved in both my life and my cousin's life. And there was also another quite significant man who I call Pa, who um, was involved in mum's life. And, and it was almost, um, you know, either my, my dad was parenting or Pa was parenting and it seemed that it it changed. So there were, you know, for, the, for a little while dad was there and then Pa moved in and Pa took on that father role and then part of mum's, um, you know, as she... As she found a different path and become a very, um, a very strict Christian, decided that she really did need to to marry my father and create a family because mm. that was the right thing to do. So then my father come back into my life and, you know, and for him it was a, you know, he kind of, um, you know, had this love affair with this quite wild, gorgeous young woman who was very free spirited and, mm. and into mm. experiencing what life. That suddenly was a, a Seventh Day Adventist yes. that was quite strict, strict and right. yeah. So that marriage didn't last very long, and sadly, over the years, the contact between my father and I, uh, you know, we, mm. d we didn't maintain contact. Mm. So, how old were you when your mother became a Seventh Day Adventist? I would have been around six or seven. Right. I was quite young. Did that mean a change in schooling for you, or? It didn't initially, but eventually it did. Eventually I went through Seventh-day Adventist schooling. Mm -hmm. what, um, what was the early year, before you went to Seventh-day Adventist schooling, what was schooling like in Wollongong? Mount St Thomas Public School mm. was a lovely school, and my teacher, I think her name was Miss Raquel. I And it, it's more from photos, but, I, you know, very, very happy memories of Miss mm. Raquel. There's some little memories, though. I've got a... Um, a thing called Charcot Murray Tooth. So although I don't have my dad in my life on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, I have his... genetically. I've got him genetically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As do yeah. both of my you children. You know what they say, the yes. apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. So this, this Charcot Murray Tooth thing I have... It could, could, you, could you explain to people what that is? Yes. Look, the assumption is that it must be something to do with the teeth, but it's not. It was just... Um, Dr. Tooth was one of the discoverers. It's actually a neurological disorder, so it affects the the, the myelin 
the myelin. myelin so it, right. what, what covers your nerves? And so mm. your hands and feet often are most impacted because the nerve conducting, if you imagine, you know, you're sending an electric message once you put a plug in um, and it, it's faulty. Mm. So my hands and feet are affected and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a studio so no one sees me. I've got a bit of an awkward walk. Mm. I've had to have some surgery. And as a young child, how this kind of come, comes about is I remember, you know, in, in kindergarten, everyone else jogging around the oval and I walked around the oval because my feet just didn't run no, no. but it's not associated with any um you know teasing or bullying or shame or any no, of those no. things it just just is I walked because no. I didn't run no. yeah mm. so that's one of the memories mm. I have of Mount St Thomas Public School so how old were you when oval. you realized you had you had this genetic issue mum realized when I was very very young right. because I walked later and and the when you feel my hands, the muscle, the muscle formation just isn't right. And part of the um, with the the nerves not sending the messages, you know, your nerves kind of help control how your feet develop. And when your feet aren't getting a message, the bones start de- deforming because the nerves pulling tight. So very kids with Shakamaru teeth have very very high inner inner soles, inner steps. So you know, I had these very very high arches. And my muscles were pulling my feet in pigeon-toed instead of out. And, of course, you know, the bones then become deformed to do what the muscles Mm. and nerves are saying. Mm. So consciously, I knew that there was something different about being quite young, but it really didn't play a factor Mm. uh, probably until, you know, maybe eight, nine, when, when, you know, I started to do a bit of physiotherapy and and seen a few doctors and didn't really um, become something until a little bit older when you know, um, there was more of a sense of, hang on, Hmm. I run, but I just don't run like everybody else, else. or or I jump and it doesn't quite work. Right. Hmm. So what was Seventh-day Adventist school like? It was little. So Little? Little. How little? What, seven classes in one class? Yes, 20-something children in the whole school. Right, and this is in Wollongong or you moved This is in Wollongong, in Coromel. So very, very, very little. Um, my mum didn't, by the time she became a Seventh-day Adventist, didn't have a whole lot to do with her family. And so the Seventh-day Adventist church and the community played a, you know, the role of extended family. Yes, so yeah, it's really, yeah. you know, such such fond memories because it's, you know, every Saturday potluck lunch and, yeah. you know, Friday night, mm. you know, youth activities and different things. But the school itself was, was very small, 25 or, or 30 kids and... You know, like any school, there was the more popular kids, there was the, the thinner kids, there was the fatter kids, there were the good kids, there were the bad kids, there were the... What were you? I was probably the slightly uh, the slightly plumper. Um, my cousin lived with us at that stage. Well, she lived with us on and off and on and off. And mm. so when she lived with us, she'd come to school and she always had a bigger personality. So, I, you know, the times that we spent going to the same school when there are only 25 kids... Joe always had a much bigger personality, so I kind of felt a bit quieter and, you know, mm. and, and for whatever reason, spelling wasn't easy for me and, you know, so, and there's, um, yeah, there, there's kind of memories of thinking, oh, and because everyone is in the same class, mm. you know, the curriculum was quite mixed and, right. yeah. So where did you go after there? So after Seventh-day Adventist school, I mm. went to a Seventh-day Adventist high school. Right. Uh, which so what, I mean, people are used to Catholic schools yeah. and Methodist schools or United Church schools. What's different about a Seventh-day Adventist school? I guess the biggest thing, um, you know, probably different about a Seventh-day Adventist school 
is generally there's only seven-day Adventists that attend. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't take in other children? They usually. do take in other children, but not many people make, especially when it was a, a school of 30 kids, right. make the decision to put their, their children there. into that school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, Adventism, Seventh-day Adventism, it's a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. So, What do you mean by lifestyle choice? The It's not like you just go to church on a Sunday and then you have a week and come back, you know, from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday, you don't purchase, you don't, um, you know, there's a lot of things on the Sabbath that that we didn't do. And from a dietary perspective, um, you know, don't eat meat and certain meat kinds and certain seafoods. Um, You know, generally Seventh-day Adventists don't drink, don't smoke. So it's quite a, it's it's very much a lifestyle choice. And so mixing with other kids you know, uh, you wouldn't mix with other kids on a Friday night because it, it would be too hard to kind of keep the Sabbath. That's and right. And so generally mm-hmm. yeah. it was a, a case of mixing with other Seventh-day Adventist kids. So it would, would have been a really good structure for your mother, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. It would actually look after all her needs. Yes. Physical as well as emotional yes. and psychological. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So how old were you when you left school, high school? Uh, I left high school at the end of year 12. Where I would so you didn't went right up, to, right up to year 12? I did up to year 12, but I swapped schools. You swapped schools? Yes. Why did you do that for? Well, the yeah. early years at the seven. Well, my first school was Mount St. Thomas Public mm-hmm. and then, of mm-hmm. course, the, the change of religion into Seventh-day Adventist school. Um, I was then sent to the Seventh-day Adventist High School, which was in Sydney, so that involved... While you were boarding, were you? No, no, no training. Which From was, Wollongong? Yeah, quite a mission. It is a mission. Yeah, 6.15 train every morning mm. um, up to Redfern, swap of trains, get on the train to Stratfield, get a bus and get to school. Mm. So I did that during year seven and then I had to have surgery for this Charcot-Marrow tooth. Yep, yep. So that involved um, a triple fusion, which basically broke the bones and refused them. So I then spent a bit of time doing this trip to school and back on crutches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was fitter. It, it was probably fantastic rehabilitation. It know, would have been, yeah. Hopping up and down <laughs> all of those stairs at Redfern, getting across, hopping down yeah. those stairs, getting on the next train. Mm. Waiting in the bus queue, you know, the adult me looks back and says, wow, what fantastic rehabilitation. Mm. I strengthened that other leg really, really well in preparation for when the other leg got done. When it was time to do the other leg, mum decided that really it it might be best for me to board in Sydney. Um, So I stayed with a Chinese family. Mm. uh, And... How did that happen? Well, she she talked to the school and, and said, was there a family prepared to have a border for, right. for a period while I recovered? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only got very, uh, you know, quite quite blurred visions of that. And it, it certainly wasn't a time that I embraced or loved. Right. It, it, right. I didn't enjoy no. being a border in a, with a Chinese family. I, mm. I really missed home and, mm-hmm. you know, very quickly went back home and preferred to do the train travel. So went through Seventh-day Adventist High School, uh, then moved down to Wollongong. There were a few incidents on the train. Uh, and so my there was another family whose child also travelled up and she started the year after I started. And we had a couple of incidents and so the family decided that really probably wasn't the, the best environment for these 14 and 15-year-old girls to be to be well, doing. You wouldn't be doing much learning, would you? You'd be, what, five hours to and back? Yeah, 
Yeah? Yep. It's a long time. It's be, a long time. You'd be asleep in class. Yeah. And <laughs> the trains were always full. So often, yeah, you know, we'd yeah. either be standing or sitting on the floor. Right. And there were some colourful characters that mm. frequented the, the train. train. Yeah. So, yeah, we, there were a couple of incidents. And, and thankfully, nothing, you know, too yeah. dramatic or traumatising, but enough that both our parents thought, no, let's. No, so no. then I moved to a local school called Kira High School. Um, and, you know, really quite fond memories. And one of my nearest and dearest friends. Um, yeah, I met at high school cool, and we're still right. friends. And so, then finished off at Mawulumba. Mawulumba. Mawulumba Adventist High School. What, high school? Mm. Adventist High School. Yes, for the very last, last year, year of school. Mm. Mm. So what happened at age 18? Did you get something you could use or did you kind of find yourself in the workforce? Uh, part of the condition, and this was something that you know I value so much that mum did set up, She'd said, you know, I was ready to leave school at year 10, really didn't see the purpose, didn't love it, um, was ready to get on and live life. And mum had said, no, 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 if you complete high school, um, she'd put $5 away each week, mm-hmm. buy you a ticket to go travelling. Right. And so that A gap year. A gap year. <laughs> so literally finished high school and within weeks jumped on the plane and left the country. Where did you go? My first stop was South Korea. Good. Yes. I like South Korea. South- what year was that? That was well. I was I was eighteen, and I'm now forty three. Forty three. So twenty five years ago. What year yeah. was that? Mm. It was seventeen, nineteen ninety five. Back about then. It's got a great place, South Korea, isn't it? It was. People don't understand what a great place it is. They think it's a, on the verge of nuclear extinction. Well. I must say to the 18-year-old girl that it really hadn't done a lot of travel and certainly I'd been as far as New Zealand, um, getting off that plane in South Korea Mm. in Seoul where 25 years ago it was still fairly high alert. Mm. I'd never seen guns, let alone Mm. armed Mm. soldiers. It'd still be a military dictatorship then. Yeah. And you you would have had the massacres at Kwonjong, I think, in 93. Yeah. It was was pretty... um, And I, you know, I had... I guess I had quite a a social conscious at that age. And so part of my thing was, well, if I'm going to travel the world and have this... You weren't a missionary, were you? Well, I went as a volunteer. I I decided to start my trip and do a volunteer stint Mm -hmm. to start it Mm -hmm. because, you know, if I was going to have these world adventures. So straight to... A children's orphanage in a place called Hyundai, right. very southern, mm. south part of Korea, mm. and lived in the orphanage and taught English for a few months. months. Right. Mm. That's good. So that was my... Uh, What's? I don't think people realise how extraordinary Seoul is when you get off the plane, because what really grabbed me, and I've been there a number of times initially, was all the crosses all through the city and all the Protestant sects that have set up camp. In South Korea post World War Two, they're mm. everywhere, mm. everywhere. So, you, were you part of that movement, or it was actually connected to the Seventh Day Adventist mm. Church, the yeah. Children's Orphanage, yeah. um, and it was it was there were a lot of other Christians over there teaching at oh, the, tons of them, the yeah. Bible College. Well, yeah. they were the English colleges, but they were kind of set up by yeah. churches. They're all they, set up by churches. They have yeah. their own fiefdoms, personal fiefdoms. Yeah. 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 So I um I kind of got off the plane and I didn't explore Seoul a lot. I was completely overwhelmed and mm. went mm. straight to a hotel and slept for a few hours and then made mm. my way down mm. um to this children's orphanage. Mm. Mm. That's good. And uh, after South Korea. Uh, after South Korea, I flew. Oh, I had you know my first real love. In oh, South Korea. love! Fell Where's in love. Where's its ugly head? Oh. Yes, um, oh. 
a military boy, an American military boy. And, mm-hmm. you know, at one stage, again, still at the very mm. old age of 18, he said, oh, don't leave Korea. We can just go to Japan and get married and then you can stay on the military base because, you know. You can be an army wife. Yes. Mm. And, did, and did, you, did you take the bait? Well, I'm really, you know, certainly the young Janine that didn't know if she was ever going to find love thought about it and then very sensibly decided that I might just go to go to America and meet his family and come back. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> did you meet his family? I did, and they were lovely. And yeah. by what, that, what state? What state? They were Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. right. So, so Ohio. They, they would be solid Working class Absolutely. American people were willing to sacrifice their son yep. for the country. Yep. yep. And Dad had been in the army and yeah. James was in the army. Yeah. And they have the flag on, on the yep. steps. Yep. American house yep. looked like a scene under Desperate Housewives. Uh, uh, excellent. Mm. And what did you but think? good people. Oh, I'm sure they're good people. Wonderful, good people. Did you think this is the life for you or no. did you run well, away? <laughs> By that stage, I'd fallen in love at least three other times. Three other times. So you only went there for free board and meal. You're there under false pretenses. Absolutely. And, you know, there was still the maybe, maybe if everything else falls through. A girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. So how long did you race around overseas for? I spent um, initially on that first trip around 12 months Mm. and then come home and, and then went back. And did a couple of other trips backwards and forwards over the next... What, to South Korea again or No, never been back to South Korea and would dearly love to. Oh, okay. Korean Airlines has got very good flights. Yes, it's now a time factor, isn't it? It's a time factor of where can one squeeze the time. So, yeah, when when did the States and Europe and and all of those wonderful things. things. Did you learn anything? So, oh, I learned so much. I learned that I could find love in every port. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, look, I hate to tell you the obvious. It's not difficult for young women to find love in every port. No. No. Most men are not discriminating. No. (laughs) I learned that... um, that it really wasn't about what monument or what famous thing you've seen, that it was more about who you met and what you did and, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. and associations with, oh, I, uh, you know, I watched that on TV and, yeah. oh, and I'm at that place and yeah. I kind of, I've travelled a little bit since and gone, wow, how was it that I was in Paris but never went there? Never saw the Eiffel Tower. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did I see? Not that. So, so yeah. but I think it, it certainly helps shape the person that I've become. Okay, it's 4.30. This is Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We are speaking to, not interviewing, speaking to Janine Payne with a Y-N-E and and, uh, the Empress Dale Bridge is here doing all the technical stuff. Now, remember I reminded you about becoming a listener sponsor. So ring up, don't make, don't, Make us ashamed of you. Nine four one nine eight three double seven. We're going to have a little blurb. Yep. Good. Three CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the U.S. war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well-crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. We're back. 
she's back in Australia, young Janine, loving every port. <laughs> so, what did you do in Australia, in a crust? So, I come back, while I was away, um, my mother had a transformation. Another transformation? Another transformation, and that was part of the move of school I don't mm-hmm. know. People, people know that about to Moolumba. Moolumba. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So at that stage, my mother, and we didn't, we didn't touch on any of this, but my mother uh, um, became the Seventh-day Adventist. Marriage didn't work with my dad. Mm. She then uh, met, a new, met a new husband who, funnily enough, was a musician, so a much more free spirit than what my father was, who was actually the farmer and quite mm-hmm. solid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, she was a, well, this was during her early Seventh-day Adventist days. But she fell pregnant um, and so married married dad mm-hmm. and went on to have six more children. Mm-hmm. But that marriage, um, you know, had, had some bumps and, and had some different twists and turns. And so mum, when I was 16, decided to relocate with the children and moved away. And so I finished that the, the year that I was doing of school and then... Mm-hmm moved up with the family, and that's how I ended up in Wollombar, starting year 12. Uh, Mum and Dad did then get back together and on and off again. Anyway, Dad, who was the musician, owned a music store in Wollongong. And so for a crust, after my travels, I was working in the music store for my father. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing, running the music school, the drum school. Drum school. Do you Mm. play an instrument? No. You don't? No. Dad was always, always too busy being a musician to teach any of his kids how to be. Musicians are like that. They're just all about themselves. You know that. This is. Dale's a musician. She's all about herself. That's the way it goes. Yeah. She's the lead guitarist or singer on Liquor Snatch. Terrible band. Terrible. (laughs) Evil people. So, how long did that last? Uh, so I worked at the music shop on and off for a couple of, yes. well, I'd worked on and off for a couple of years and uh-huh. this was, um, so I was working at the music shop at this stage, it was in Ferry Meadow and, um, mum had come back down to Wollongong and the family was living back in Wollongong mm. and while I was working in the music shop, I was only there for a short time because I was being sponsored to go back and work in the travel agency in America where I'd ended up finding quite a nice little posse and, mm-hmm. and was going to stay. So there were plans of, you know, I'm coming back and getting the visa and doing all of that, but I met a significant – fell in love again. Again. Fell in love again. Oh. Yes. So you never got your green card. Never got my green card. Never got back. So you fell in love in um, Wollongong? In Wollongong. That's unbelievable. In the drum shop. In the drum, in the I, drum we, shop. We don't want to know we don't want to know. You <laughs> fell in love in the drum shop. Fell in love in the drum shop. So kids from this relationship? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So mm. I've got two two wonderful kids mm-hmm. and uh, still still with that man that the 20-year-old Janine met. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It that's is. what, 22 years? It is. That's, that's a, a long time. That's a long time. And mm. So why did you both leave? You lived together all this period, have you? Yeah. So why did you well, live? There's you, a few periods we... Chose not to live together. Yeah, but we but won't mostly. go together. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've got a successful music shop. You meet the man of your dreams. You've got kids. What are you doing in Melbourne? How did you get from Wollongong to Melbourne? There's 20 years there. What, what happened? Geez, so um, met the man in the music shop. His family, his, his dad 
and, and quite funny. So in Wollongong, I lived in, by this stage, lived in Turoji, um, in a you know great solid housing commission, but a lovely, mm. lovely little spot in in Turoji. Ben's family lived up in Mount Pleasant, which is the more fluent part of Wollongong. Ben went to there is one. There is one. Oh, ben went course. to the the private school, and yeah, yeah. I didn't. Mm. Um, anyway, so Ben, you know, a lot of people in Wollongong growing up similar age paths crossed, but Ben and my paths had never. Had never crossed. No. And so we met each other and there was this, you know, we fell in love. His family, though, his dad was a pharmacist and dad had decided to sell the pharmacy and have a, a change of life uh, career and so bought a, a small hotel called the Normandy. The Normandy. The Normandy. What, so in Wollongong? In Wollongong. Sounds oh, no. like a bad career move. It, so, so Ben had come back to Wollongong because the family was going to run this hotel together. Right. Bit of faulty towers. So yes. you know. <laughs> it didn't sound right no, to 20 me. 20-something rooms and a big yeah. function centre and yeah. a restaurant and, yeah. you know, Dad, who's a pharmacist. Well, and never been in hospitality. No. <laughs> no, i never been in hospitality. And, you know, Ben had done a little bit of waiting but really not a lot. And, and Mum, who'd always worked in the pharmacy, so they, they bought this hotel. And so this is... Well, I met Ben because he'd come back to Wollongong and was working in the family business. Mm. Um, and, you know, first impressions when you're young, he drove, you know, he's a fairly smart car, fairly smart guy. You know, what do you do? Oh, manage a hotel. Manage, wow. Manage a hotel. Mm. It was only in the, the, the weeks that followed that, you know, the cars, mum and dad, and I actually live at home when I'm not living at the hotel that I manage, so to speak, but I really just do the night shift on and... So by that stage, though, I'd already, for whatever reason, decided he was the one I'd spend the rest of my life with. So we shared our we, we shared our work between running this hotel, which mm. was just, mm. Ugh, mm. and doing some work in Dad's drum shop and very quickly realised that I needed to go get a real job that was actually going to earn some mate. bacon. Right. So <laughs> no what, one else was making any bacon. Um, so what did you do? Where I ended did you up go? In, in sales, in sales. advertising. Oh, why not? Sold newsprint. Wow. You yeah. would be good. You would be good at advertising. I reckon mm. you could sell anything. I was, I was good at it. How long were you in so, advertising for? Well, I spent a good year and then Ben and I, you know, he wasn't loving the hotel management <laughs> job. And I was good at advertising. He was like, we should run our own paper. Oh. You're so good at this. And right. you've got music knowledge and you're great at selling ads. And uh-huh. I quite like the thought of being a designer. <laughs> so we started our own newspaper. Uh, what's it, what was it called? It's called Pulse of the Illawarra. Pulse of yeah. the Illawarra. Did you think of that name? Yes. It's a very nice name. That. Yeah. It is a very good name. Pulse. It's quite, mm. it's just just got that ring to it. And, yeah. and uh, did you have much competition? Well, no, we didn't. The only real competition was the Beat, which was up in Sydney. And so mm. they had well, dropped the points. <laughs> the Mercury, that, of course, being, that was the Daily. But the Pulse was a monthly publication. And it was kind of, it was a bit like the, like dr- the drum or mm. Beat. And it was a good wrap-up of the music mm. industry. And, you know, we interviewed a few kind of half-famous people and, mm-hmm. you know, employed a lot of groovy young people that wrote stories. and But all of this... Uh, this, this, you know, and everyone was having the time of their lives, but, but I was did, the only salesperson. But were you making any money? Well, I had to basically sell enough advertising, advertising space to pay for everything yeah. to pay for this. So for me, it was an incredibly stressful yeah. two years. So. Everyone else, you know, was interviewing Nick Cave and seeing gigs <laughs> and doing this. And you were doing the accounts. I was at the Oxford Scholar saying, "Come on." Let's go a half page. Yeah. Of course you want a half, <laughs> half page. page. I'll put you on page three. Yeah. 
So we uh, did that for a few years, and um, uh, and we were we were offered to be bought out by Beat, and we should have should have taken the offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we sold it to back then. There were job agencies around that supported young people to be employed, and a job agency they they wanted to purchase because they seen it as a great vehicle um, to help long term mm, youth mm. in gaining really valuable employment skills. So we sold it to them for much less than what we should, should have. have, and, yeah. and um, yeah, so that was the, that was what I did, and then I went on to do um, a lot of. I've, I've worked in so many different areas, really interesting, different. Just interesting just mention things. a few, just a few. Oh, Wollongong has a um, a fantastic um, gay nightclub called Checkers. It used right. to be around, and yeah. you know, worked up there for a while and loved right. it, and mm-hmm. then did the newsprint and. Then went off and I've worked for universities and in education and not-for-profits and mm. really mm. had a very Always in colourful. Wollongong? Well, it didn't take long for – we spent a bit of time in Wollongong um, and then decided that we really needed a bit of a, a, a bit of a change. So ended up down in Melbourne and what year was had that? a couple of kids. That would have been – Lana was maybe five, so probably 12 years ago. 12 years. Why 12, Melbourne? I'd always, I don't even know. I'd been to Melbourne once or twice and I liked Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to do Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. You know, had spent quite a bit of time up on the, the north coast around um, Byron, Mullum and Moolumbar. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to do that area. So Melbourne it was. And, and there was good career opportunities. By that stage, we, we'd had two young kids and Ben was computer programming and there were great career opportunities in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So we come down and got a great little spot in Carlton and... You could 12 years ago. You could 12 years ago. Yes, we could. Yeah, just. Yes, just. 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 So what what were you doing when you first came to Melbourne? During those early days in Melbourne, I was looking after the kids and Ben Mm -hmm. was working. Right. Um, And I've got such fond memories, really, really fond memories. Where we lived in Carlton, I could... You know, walk to the big markets, walk to the gym. It had been quite stressful just prior to the move. Um, ben had ended up working for a company in Sydney doing programming and, and ridiculous, crazy, crazy hours. And I had these two quite young babies and with my family of, of seven siblings and mm. the chaos of mum and dad. Mm. Um, my mother during this time had um, her sexuality, had, had finished her marriage and she actually come out as, you know, being a very strong, proud lesbian woman. Mm-hmm. And that had all kinds of ripple effects to the family unit. Right. Um, my siblings that are younger than me, there were quite a few years between myself and the next sibling. And it was really confronting for 13 and 14-year-old girls going through their own, um, you know, kind of finding their own sexual identity mm-hmm. to have a mother that was a lesbian woman. And, and she was a very, you know, a very proud, very, very... You know, she shaved her head and didn't Mm. wear shirts and, Mm. you know, back before it was, you know, kind of something that we did because it was just the right thing to do, really, um, you know, really embraced the the trans community. And so there were a lot of people that come through our home, you know, that that John John was John one some days and Jean the other days. And for teenage Mm. kids, it wasn't the norm. No. So lots of the the brothers and sisters all lived with us on and off during these these years. They came down to Melbourne. This was back when we were in Wollongong right, before right. we'd moved and Ben was working long hours and so mm. that's when we decided, you know, we really need to change you this You need up. to run away from the family. Yeah, they followed <laughs> one by one. Anyway, uh, we ran away and come to Melbourne for a bit. Right. And uh, how long ago did you get back doing things apart from, you know, apart from looking after the children's needs? When did you well, start getting back into the swing of things? I We... We were living in Melbourne. Ben was making great money programming. Mm. Kind of thought we either buy a house 
or I, I certainly didn't feel like my travels had finished. Mm. So I'd convinced Ben, you know, I'd done the few years of the paper and the stress and, and then done the children um, and convinced. Oh, during this time, I'd worked part-time as a photographer in a portrait studio and I'd also, um, you know, which was, which was great fun. And I'd worked lots of little part-time jobs just earning money, but convinced Ben that we should do one last big travel. So he agreed and we, um, you know, we, we sold everything and packed a few backpacks and took... You didn't buy a yacht? No, no. Oh, we, we boarded a plane. You boarded a plane? We boarded a plane. But we decided that, you know, once a child turns two, the airfare goes up. That's right. So there so. was a little window. So we took the... Yeah. There's 18 months between our children. Yeah. We took the 18-month-year-old and the two-and-a-bit-year-old and jumped on a plane and went to explore Europe. Mm. So spent a few months in Europe um, and, and had a fantastic... You know, adventure. It was a I'm great sure time. I'm sure you did. I'm mm. sure. But you still got to come back. We we came back and then we... <laughs> and there's nothing in the bank account. No, I've nothing. been through this. Yep. You go your five, you know six, story. seven, eight months, you know, you come back yep. and you've got five dollars and nowhere to live. Yep. So and moved, you're looking for your old friends. Moved back up to where <laughs> mum was. <Yeah. laughs> back up to where mum was. Um, and part of that, my mum, you know, sadly had, had contracted hep C during mm-hmm. her early years. And so she was going on interferon treatment, mm-hmm. which can be a pretty rough... It is. Treatment, yeah, pretty yeah. rough treatment. So we'd, um, you know, we'd certainly been having conversations and said, look, after we'd done this travel, we'd, we'd move back and, and hand. Yeah. look after the, the six kids so she could give this treatment a really good go. Mm. So that's what happened. We moved back up to, um, at that stage, she was in, in Pottsville. We moved up to Pottsville and um, I, I went and got a job fairly quickly at the local TAFE in student support and had a great time. Ben decided that he was due for a good break because he'd mm-hmm. been working very hard. And, you know, Pottsville, uh, I remember coming home after being at work and saying, you know, you're the house parent and daughter's in childcare four days a week and uh, kids are all at school. What are you doing? What do you do? <laughs> and Jesus, you've got a good tan and you don't have any kind of tan line. Uh, and, you know, it kind of slowly unraveled that, uh, you know, Ben was – Loving Pottsville and enjoying Smoko every morning. And he'd started painting the house. We had a yellow wall, yeah. a red wall. And I was just, I, I hadn't connected the dots. You, you, you weren't suspicious. No, I, I was so busy working and looking after all these kids and dealing with his mum going on this treatment. Yeah, and coming home and just dying and and looking around going we can't add any more colors like we've got every color in the rainbow in our house so anyway that was um Pottsville and so Ben got a great tan and discovered nude beaches and Uh and decided that you it really wasn't worth being a waiter for seven to ten dollars an hour when he was a computer programmer that could get fifty dollars an hour and so, you know, there was some, some fairly hard conversations around, well, $10 an hour is a whole lot more than zero. It's like, come on, go get a job. Um, so that was Pottsville. It was, and it was, it was quite, it was very stressful uh, supporting mum. Because of her former drug use, she decided that she wouldn't take any, um, they do suggest that you take some stabilizers and, you know, different things while you That's go on right. that treatment yeah. because it, the, the, the mental trip is extreme. Mm. And so, you know, sadly she didn't. And it was a really, it was a rough time for everyone. Mm. It was, it was mm. a really, really did she, hard did she, time. Did she become hep C neck? Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. Is that when you escaped? Well, that, well, during this time, you know, she, 
she decided that she really couldn't function, um, that, that parenting us wasn't working, that, you mm. know, so she, she literally stopped speaking to us and didn't speak to us for, for several years. And so... Mm. Did she live in the same house or not? No, she no. was in another house right. and we were quite we were just around the corner. Mm. Um, and my youngest siblings at that stage were 13 and 15 and mm. 13 and 14. Anyway, uh, they so we we'd been parenting, you know, a few of the kids, yeah. but by that stage the kids lived with us permanently and it was it was really just too painful living in a very small town with someone that couldn't communicate. Yeah. And so we after much discussion and, and, of course, Ben with the, the great tan and the, <laughs> the crazy lifestyle, adapting to Pottsville as he did, um, I eventually threw my hands in the air and said, nah, I'm not doing this. It's not fun anymore. Uh, and just before this, he'd, um, you know, as he was having this awakening of maybe life needs to change, mm. this distinct memory of him standing in the middle of the house going, I just need white walls. I, I need to live somewhere with white walls. <laughs> and me going, Yeah. So do I. And he left for a little bit to go get white walls. And I remember thinking, uh, how the hell did I get left with the coloured yes. walls when you painted them? But anyway, he, um, I gave a bit of an ultimation and said, yeah, something's got to give. And so he flew to Melbourne and a week later said, send the kids down. I've signed a lease. This is what we're doing. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to quite quit my job yet because mm. – have a you know, and so he relocated down to Collingwood with mm. at that stage five kids mm-hmm. and uh, no contract in a house that was more than my total income mm-hmm. that I was earning, and reassured me that it would all work, and it, it did. did. Yeah. Mm. And what did you come down? So I spent three months commuting and doing mm-hmm. a bit of up and down, yeah. and he ended up with the kids in three different schools, mm-hmm. but got it all established. It was um was a huge transition from Pottsville. There was no traffic lights and mm. this very, very small. But there were white walls. There were white walls in Collingwood. <laughs> That's right. Big white, white walls. walls. Yeah, and you're all yes. nose to the grindstone. Yeah, and lots of traffic lights. And mm. for my brother and sister, you know, they were in high school, it was it was a fairly my, – my two adapted quite easily. Mm. But for my brother and sister, it was quite an adaption coming down to the big city. The big smoke, yeah. Mm. So – what have you been doing the last few years? So the last few years, we, we decided to stay put in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Good um, decision. Good yeah, decision. good decision. We need people like you of yeah. experience. Resilience is Resilience. the word they use these yeah. days. The kids have nearly grown up. So our youngest two are now 17 and, mm. and 19, just mm. turned 19. Mm. C and Verge have gone off on their own missions mm. and... We could do a whole other hour on where their lives have taken oh, them. I'm afraid we don't talk we don't. about other people. They okay. can come here and talk to us if they want to. That's I would recommend Mr. Virgil in the future. He's well, got an interesting well, life story. Well, so just tell him to ring and he's on. They've gone on their life adventures. Yes. And uh, I started working at a, at a university down here and, mm. and loved it. Just, just, just love it. Doing what? Uh, I was organising the orientation, so the big large-scale welcome right. events. Yep. Yep. Um, and Ben you know, kept programming and decided that he needed something different and discovered the whole uh, festival community. Oh, right. yep. So we're now festivalers. We, we Burning Man last year and mm-hmm. rainbowed every year for the last couple mm-hmm. of years and we're part of a fantastic burning community. That's What's a burning community? So in, in the Burning Man community, there's theme camps. 
and uh, there's a camp called Camp Kraken, there's BBB, there's, there's these different groups that, you know, it's often similar taste in music or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. values. And so Camp Kraken, we kind of found to be our, our people and yeah. it's wonderful. It's, mm. um, it's a wonderful community of, of very conscious adults that, um, you know, that all have a, a strong sense of uh, of responsibility to, to, to make the world a better place just because that's what good humans do. And how how long would the camp take usually? How how many weeks of your life do you have to put aside? Well, because we've kind of found this community and love this community, it can it, it can be several weeks that it ends up between mm. a few different festivals. Yeah. And you know, Burning Week was a two Burning Man was a two week trip in the states, and then Burning Seed, and you mm. know, and different festivals. And mm. it's quite um you know, there's always birthdays and there's always reasons. We do a Merry Creek clean up once every. Several so weeks. There's always you, you organise that, do you? The Merry Quicks. Yeah. Up? Well, one no one of the one of the crew. That's that's not mm. the, something I organise, but I certainly love to throw on my bright tights and gum yeah. boots and be part of it. And, and, and do you organise other things in Melbourne yourself? Um, I've been involved in some fundraiser nights and, and different things as part of the community. We've right. put together a cabaret that we took to Burning Man, and we mm. often do. You know, events at, at clubs where we have great DJs and mm. events, yeah. events. What's an event? Oh, an event. An event <laughs> for us is when you turn up and you dance from ten pm till ten am, and you wear outrageously fun costumes and you mm. just have a fantastic time. When was the last event? Oh, the last event was actually there was a small intimate last last night for. Uh, one of the crew's birthdays, and so mm. instead of a Valentine's celebration, we had an Allentine's celebration, no, no, which was fun. Yeah. And before that, on the weekend, there was um, you know a group of us, a group of us together. So yeah, it's a it's a lovely community. And um, is it a closed community? No, it's a very open community. So it's an you know people people are are drawn in that that share um, burning kind of the the burning thing there's there's like anything there's 10 principles that kind of you know and they're kind of principles around you know not leaving a trace and consent and you know there there's these kind of things that align and bring together and so basically uh, people find their way that have similar beliefs and value systems and yeah how, how do they find their way normally through i guess music often is music, the right. yeah, yeah is the yeah or you know, we, different people that have seen Merry Creek, that's, that may have been their intro where they've come and been part of a creek cleanup and gone, you know, these people are good people and, mm-hmm. you know, end up becoming involved in things. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so so different ways. But certainly there tends to be this kind of organic of, of like-minded people finding each other. Mm-hmm. And how much of your week would you spend with these like-minded people? Um, when we're organising something, it could be a couple of times a week. Right. Um, and... But generally, you know, just it's probably probably every week actually now mm-hmm. see someone from this kind of community that this and it's quite an extended community, yeah, oh, which you, is lovely. Have you got any irons in the fire for the f- future regarding organising events? 
Well, there's a group of us off to Eclipse and then to Burning Man. What's Eclipse? Eclipse is a festival in a <laughs> – no, we're going the the Oregon one. Oh, really? Yeah. So the, the, the Eclipse Festival happens in different places, but it's a big one in Oregon mm. this year. So we're mm. going across to Oregon and then we'll go to Burning Man in California or Nevada. Um, That'll take so, up a month or so. Yeah. But then locally we've, we've actually got a planning weekend coming up where we're all going to get together and just, you know, kind of assess – where we're at and what plans we've got this year. And there was a Merry, Cle- Merry Creek clean-up on the weekend, mm. so there's often mm. there's things scheduled throughout. Is it a CBD type of movement or is it got wider roots? It's, it's certainly it's a global. There's, there's no, but a, I mean in Melbourne itself. Is it mainly around the inner city or is it... Uh, yeah, yeah, generally it's, yeah, inner mm. city folk. Mm. But then, you know, there's there's people that... Are kind of part of that come from you know Sydney all over. All over. Right. Mm. Have you got any plans for the future? I'm sure you've got millions, but any anything uh, you'd do. like to share? So Lance, who's 17, is doing VCE, and Ben and I. So Ben and I have decided if we're going to continue down this path of you know companionship and and togetherness, mm. um, we need to adventure together. Adventuring together, it's important. So we're going to take a gap year as soon as... You're going to take a gap year, the yes. parents. Yes. Oh. As soon as Lana finishes VCE, You're not going to wait till you're 65 for your gap no. year. You're going to do it now. Absolutely. Right. Yep. When she does that last VCE exam... Yep, you're off. We shall kiss her and say yay for you. Uh, Go to a graduation. Yep. And yeah, leave the kids in the house and disappear for a bit. Disappear. Hmm. You're going to tell us where? No. Uh, that might be just, another interview. Yeah. Maybe you'll want to... Bring me back one time and hear mm. what a gap year looks like to a pair of old. For a, to, to a pair of middle-aged people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like this. I like yeah. this. You've actually turned the tables. Mm. You're not waiting until you're retired to enjoy life. You're enjoying it now. Absolutely. That's very radical, you know. Mm. It's a very radical concept. In, mm. You know, when we've got this Protestant ethic that we've got to work all our lives until mm. the day we die. And here you are, enjoying your life. Absolutely. That's, that's disgusting. It is, isn't it? <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah, absolutely. I'm disgusted. So we're really, we're excited for it. We're planning for it and we're just, mm-hmm. we're really looking forward to well, it. a lot of people do a caravanning trip. Mm. I'm sure you, with the kids, I'm sure you <laughs> won't be doing that. Thank you, Janine Payne, for coming into Radical Australia and sharing your life with us. It was a marvellous interview. And you're a marvellous human being, and I wish you and your partner, Ben, and all your assorted siblings and children the best for the future, and uh, keep in contact. Thank you. Thank you, Empress. And don't forget the 3CR subscriber drive. Ring now, 94198377. for a full subscription, $35 unwaged subscription. Ring now. Keep 3CR on air for another 40 years. Thank you, Empress Dalebridge. I spent three and a half years living on the street and I know what it's like to have no hope and not to feel part of the society and I think that's where a lot of these people are. But I think we need to help people who are traumatised and help people get back on their feet and give them hope and help them um, feel like they're a part of the society again instead of just moving them on like they're an inconvenience. If it were not for ruminations, how would the views of those of us who have been homeless or are homeless, how would these views ever be aired? How would they ever be expressed? Subscribe to the station that gives airtime to people with a lived experience of homelessness. Support 3CR.